We talk at each other. We don't always hear what's being said. We don't always say what we think we're saying. And so that is what this third agreement is about. We've been studying um, Domingo Ruiz's four agreements. The first one being be impeccable with your word. Watch what it is that you're saying. Are your words true? Are your words coming from love? Are you using words against yourself or against other people? And he likens using words against yourself as like giving yourself poison. And words used gossiping or judging or um, speaking meanly to or about other people as giving them, trying to give them your poison. And so when we learn to be impeccable with our word, we're very careful about how we communicate. We try to say what's true and what's real and what's deep and what's meaningful. And we try to be kind. We are kind when we're impeccable with our word kind to ourselves, and the kindness we give to ourselves spills over into kindness for others. It is always that way. That's how it works. And the second agreement is don't take anything personally. Whoa. That what any, anything that anyone else ever does or says to you is about them and not about you. If someone comes up and punches you in the face and says, I hate you, and says your name, that is about who they are. It's about their anger. It's about their hatred. It's about their poison and their need to share it, probably because they're not sharing um, impeccable words with themselves. So how could they possibly share them with you? It's about them. You can walk away. It doesn't have anything to do with you. You can send a blessing. Ah, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. And mean it. I'm really sorry that you feel that way because it feels awful to be filled with poison. To be filled with so much poison that you have to put it on somebody else by talking about them behind their back or by insulting them to their face. Feels awful to do that to ourselves. And we hold ourselves to a higher standard than almost anybody else. We're constantly judging ourselves. The same book of law is the way he, he puts it, that we use to spread our judgment to other people. We're doing the same to ourselves. All these shoulds. She shouldn't wear that. Well, what that means is I don't get to wear that. <laughs> right? I'm judging myself if I wear that. Or whatever, all the shoulds that we put out there. My friend David has a song, Don't Should on Me and I Won't Should on You. I love that. So all of these things that we decided or that we didn't decide, a society decided way before we were born, our culture decided, our language decided, our mom and dad and our siblings and our school and our church and the news and magazines, all of that stuff together which create our culture decided certain things way before we were born about who we're supposed to be, as it says in the book, about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be black, what it means to be white. All that stuff is made up stuff. All of it is. All of it. And some stuff we make up so that we can have language, so that we can function with each other. But a whole lot of it brings judgment. It brings a lot of judgment with it, with it. And we got that even before we were born. So from the day we came out, we were flooded with those messages. And yeah, we were victims 
as children. But as Domingo Ruiz also says, at some point, you take that agreement on yourself. You don't need them judging you. Tell, I mean, you get, a, you get really early on, you get that's okay and that's not okay. If you do this, you'll get punished. If you do this, you get a reward. We are enculturated just like training a dog. <laughs> but, but subtler than that. And still, it is a system of punishment and reward. I get a smile when I say this word. I get a frown when I say this word. Somebody punches me in the face when I say this word. It's still about them, but I've lear I learned to manipulate the system. Maybe I'm not going to say that if I don't want to get punched in the face. But then we take, we take it and we agree with it. We say, okay, yes, this must be the way things are. And we agree with all kinds of things that we didn't intend to agree with. I agreed when I was younger that I was a wretched worm, unworthy. I learned that... Um, God was in my head watching every thought that I thunk and that I was going to go to hell. That's what I learned, and I agreed with that. I was like, yeah, obviously that's the way it is. got to be perfect or you don't get in. I've taken time, years, <laughs> in my very, um, very concerted and, and what's the word I'm looking for, inclusive effort to not agree with that anymore. It occurred to me, that's not right. If God is love, I agreed with that too. So if I agree that God is love, then how can I agree that God is going to send me to hell? Those two agreements don't make sense. Think about how many agreements in your life that if you hold them up next to each other, they make zero sense, none whatsoever. No sense. No sense. So, um, we get given these agreements and when we take them on. And then we take things personally when somebody does something and they're just using their agreements and they're spilling them over on us, has nothing to do with us. And they can't hurt us unless we agree that we're hurtable, unless we make ourselves available, unless we agree with their judgment. You're right, I shouldn't wear this. <laughs> Whatever the, the judgment is. And then the third agreement is don't make assumptions. If you can get through the other two, and there's, I don't know, if, I don't think we master them in this lifetime, but the more work you can do on it, the better your life will become, I promise you. If you can catch yourself saying a negative word to yourself and stop and say something positive, then you are starting to master this idea of impeccability. If you can not get crushed because someone you care about says something terrible to you, but understand, but have it evoke your compassion because you realize they feel awful and they're trying to put that on me. And I, I feel bad for them, but I don't have to feel bad for me because it has nothing to do with me. Who life will start to change. If you can do that once a day, your life will start to change. So this other one, don't make assumptions. We make so many assumptions. Like, like the song says, I thought I knew what I was saying, but that's not what you heard. You heard something based on an assumption that you have about me that wasn't actually the truth of my intent. It may have, we may have disagreed about what the words meant and then got all garbled up there, but 
The intent of the songwriter is, I love you, I'm trying to tell you I love you, but I didn't realize that all of the things that I was doing and saying to tell you I love you, you weren't interpreting that way. And so it's complicated, y'all. That's real complicated. And it's simple. Don't assume that you know anything that you don't actually, factually know. Right? Humans abhor, we abhor a vacuum. We don't like to not know. We want to know. And in the absence of being able to know because it involves other people and it's none of our business or whatever, or they haven't told us yet, we don't have the full information. Maybe we have almost zero information. We want to know. So here's what we do. We make up a story. Because making up the story, even if it's a terrible story, even if it's a story that makes us feel bad, at the same time, it kind of makes us feel safe because at least now I know what I'm dealing with. Have you ever waited for a diagnosis? And instead of waiting until you actually heard what the test said, spent all the time going, I have cancer, I have cancer, I probably have cancer, I know I do. What's this going to do to my life? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to, you know, making yourself crazy or make the assumption, you know, the, the other assumption either. It's so hard to not make some sort of assumption. It's so hard not to make up some sort of story. I can't tell you how many times I've said and heard other people say in life, it, you know, I just want to know. I don't care if it, it could be good or bad. I just want to know. Why do we just want to know? Time will take care of that. More will be revealed. When it's time for us to know, we're going to know. A friend of mine said to me several years ago in my journey of recovery, she said, you know, when God means for you to know it, no one will be able to keep it from you. <laughs> and I started praying that as a prayer. God, if there's something I should know, let me know. Until then, I'm going to try not to obsess on stuff that I have no idea really what's going on. Hard to do. So we need answers. We want answers. We don't like to not know. So first of all, we have to get a little bit comfortable with not knowing, with staying in the not knowing. A little meditation on that. A little, I don't know, but somebody knows. <laughs> and when it's time for me to know, I will. And the danger with assumptions is that assumptions become belief. We make up a story and then we believe in that story and then our words and our actions and our thoughts start to spring from that story. If someone says something to me, someone I thought was a good friend says something that I think, wow, that felt sort of, that didn't feel exactly right. Probably she hates me. It must be because last Thursday, I hung up on her before we finished our conversation because I was, was busy. Probably she thinks I'm too busy for her. Probably she doesn't want to be my friend anymore at all. Probably, oh my gosh, I need to go make it up to her. Or, oh my gosh, okay, she doesn't want to be my friend. I'm not going to be for her friend either. You see how we just take it and run with it. We make up a story. We make up a story, and then we start living from that story. And then when she calls, we're like, yeah, hello, like, okay, you're the one who doesn't like me, so, hmm. And then she's over there going, she answered the phone real weird. I wonder if she's mad at me. <laughs> I 
It's hilarious, and it's what we do all day, every day. The danger is that our belief becomes a word. It becomes word. It becomes attitude. It becomes action. And then everybody else assumes and reacts to whatever it is. And so often the stories we make up are based on history, right? If somebody's been mad at you before and they're doing the same behavior again, you, you can maybe safely make the assumption, oh, there's, there, there they go again. There's nothing wrong with using some discernment. But then here's the antidote. Hey, what's going on with you? Seemed like you were a little short with me yesterday. Oh, was I? I had a bad headache. I'm sorry. <laughs> that saved weeks. <laughs> and a friendship, right? Ask, ask. The stories we make up are based on our history, not just the history between us and the other person, which can give us some clues, but based on our history. My history is that, um, you know, people don't like me. I don't make friends easily. I, people turn on me for no reason. Whatever your history is, then you start planning, you start pasting it on other people's faces. Once again, another reason for not taking anything personally because what you're doing isn't about them at all. It's about your history and where you're coming from. And we do, we make these dramas and we fight fights that aren't actually happening. And it's great drama. It's Shakespearean. Think about if Romeo and Juliet had just said, okay, if I, if I don't get there on time, I'm going to take this poison. It's going to look like I'm dead, but I'm not really dead. So don't kill yourself before I wake up. No drama, no play. <laughs> no play. If um, Desdemona had just talked to, uh, what's his face? To, yes, yeah, somebody help me with it. Oh, my, my Shakespeare's gone. Okay, doesn't matter. The jealous guy, Iago is telling her, oh my, is telling him, um, King somebody, Othello, thank you, God. Telling Othello, your wife is cheating on you. Your wife is cheating on you. And Othello, not because his wife had ever shown any cheating behavior, but because he himself was insecure, he had been telling himself, I shouldn't be married to somebody as gorgeous as her. I don't really deserve that. Therefore, it must be true that she's cheating. Therefore, I'm going to treat her like a cheating wife. Therefore, all hell breaks loose. Where if he'd said, Desdemona, are you cheating? And she said, no, heck no, honey. I love you. I love you more than anything. And they communicated with each other. No drama. So thank God for drama. We have Shakespeare. We might not have gotten it otherwise. But there's no reason for us to live Shakespearean dramas in our life, which we do all the time. The other danger of assumption is then expectation. We not only believe it, but then we start to expect certain things. So... <clears throat> Mind reading right now, as far as I know, for me, probably for you, is not a thing, right? My husband cannot read my mind. He can, he can barely read my looks, you know? <laughs> I have to use words, and I have to be very sparing with the words because his attention goes away really quickly, right? So why on earth would I walk through my life mad at him for not doing the things that I would like him to do that I've never told him about? But how many times in relationships do we do that? And we say this really crazy thing, well, I shouldn't have to ask. He should know. 
He should know I wanted flowers for Valentine's. He should know that's important to me. It's important to every other woman in the USA. Why wouldn't it be important to me? He doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. And it's not his fault he doesn't know it. Maybe his history is that his dad beat his mom, but he always gave her roses on Valentine's. And he sees it as something that's false. And he chooses to show his love in a completely different way. And yet the assumptions that get made, the assumptions that he doesn't love me because he didn't send me roses, and then that affects the attitude, you don't love me. And then he goes, I'm doing everything I can to love you. What's a flower got to do with it? I mean, we make such complicated messes when we think we know. And we will use an assumption that we will let it override something that we do know. I know my husband loves me. A million things he does makes me know that he loves me. But I didn't get flowers today, so he must have changed his mind. <laughs> we do stuff that's that crazy. That sounds like a crazy example, but we do stuff that's at least that crazy. And you know, we, so we override because we start thinking as we're making stuff up and then there's no end to those thoughts. We also use assumptions as laziness. We just pigeonhole people. We go, I met somebody who looked like that and acted like that one time, so I know who you are. I don't have to think about you anymore. I don't have to figure you out. I'm going to put you in that pigeonhole. And there goes classicism, racism, sexism, ageism, um, all, of, all of the isms, all of the phobias. One person you know is this way, and so now everybody who looks like that person, you shove them in a hole. And then you don't have to think about them anymore. Whew, that's laziness. It takes time and effort to actually get to know someone, to actually communicate with them, and to listen to them communicate with you. And here's the biggest danger. Once the moment, the moment that we think we know is the moment that we are no longer open to even learning. The Buddhists talk about that a lot. Beginner's mind, that's all you need. But if you come in with an expert mind, nothing can penetrate. Oh, I already know all about that. And unfortunately, expert mind is what a lot of us do to defend. That's our wall that we build up. I already know who you are, so I know you're going to hurt me. So I'm going to just put this wall right here right now, and then you can't hurt me. And then we miss all the people who not only aren't there to hurt us, but want to love us because we've built this wall, because of our defenses, because we have an expert mind. I already know what, I know what you're going to do. For a long time, I'll tell you, I was abused by my brother a lot when I was a child, like really beat up. And I was scared of boys. And in my 20s, when I went to teach at a junior high, at a middle school, I walked through the halls trembling because somehow in my mind, those boys, those sixth, seventh, and eighth grade boys would hurt me. I just knew they would. I just knew they were all beating on their sisters and they were all, oh man. And thankfully, I didn't have expert mind. I met them one by one as they came into my classroom and I learned how beautiful each one of them was. And what would I have missed? if I hadn't been open to that new information. And yes, I had to be really uncomfortable. I had to walk through the halls scared. 
And I had to take a chance that this kid in my room wasn't going to think I was an idiot and wasn't going to immediately dismiss me out of hand. If I dismissed him out of hand, he would have. And I got to learn that I actually like boys. I like them a lot. <laughs> Even junior high age boys. <laughs> but I didn't know that until I opened my mind to know that. So when we think we know, we are closed, we can't learn. And then we self-assume, well, I'm not good at that. I'm not even going to try. I wasn't good at this, so I'm probably not going to be good at that, and it'll be easier not to make a fool of myself, so I'm just not even going to try. We self-assume in other ways, too. Well, I've always done it before. I ought to be able to do this now. I've never, the last time I jumped off a bridge, I didn't die, so I must be able to jump off this one this time, and I'll be okay. We make assumptions about that, where we put ourselves in danger, or we hold ourselves back from joy. And you know what? You could start looking at your life as if any time you hold yourself back from joy, you are in danger. Because why else be here and live through all of the drama and the hardship that's on earth if it's not for the love and the joy that's also here. And in an effort to try to stem the flow of what we assume is going to be all negative stuff, we cut ourselves off from the joy and the love that is in our lives. And that's a good enough reason not to make assumptions. I saw a program on PBS several years ago where they, I, they interviewed a bunch of couples who had been married for over 50 years and not just like stuck together, but self-reported happy. I'm happy in my marriage. I have a happy marriage. And they interviewed them and they said, they tried to find what's the common denominator? What's, what's happening here? Was it that the man always brings him flowers? No, this guy did, but this guy never did. Was it that she cooked for him? No, this one can't. They couldn't find the common denominator for a long time in outward things. And finally what they came up with that was true across the board, and I'm going to tell you this, I say don't make assumptions. We're going to make assumptions, but if you do make an assumption, what if... You assume good. That was the single difference that all of those couples had in common is that they assumed that the other person was coming from a place of good intent. <laughs> what they did wasn't always good, but if I assume that you love me and you're not trying to hurt me, you're not trying to make me mad. It looks like you're trying to make me mad, but you're not trying to make me mad. Then a lot of those misunderstandings never happen. When I go from that assumption that maybe something good is going to happen here, what if it's a good thing, then I might allow myself to be a little bit more open to new information. And so the antidote, ask questions. Ask questions. Communicate clearly. If you don't know, well, what did he mean by that? Ask him, excuse me, I'm sorry, I've been really... I'm making myself crazy over this. What did you mean when you said that? You know, what you'll find sometimes is they'll go, I don't even remember saying that. I don't know. <laughs> so it was like just an offhand nothing to them. And you've built a whole Shakespearean drama around it. Imagine that. Imagine that. So often it's not what you think. I know that the message that I sent out and the assumption that other people, I mean, I'm taking responsibility because I was a shy kid and I would just sit and not talk to anybody. And I was an army brat, so it was a new school almost every year. 
was torture. So I'd sit there for the first several months going, no one wants to talk to me, no one wants to talk to me, no one really likes me, no one really likes me. And then eventually I would have a common interest with somebody and we'd eventually become friends and then we'd be best friends and then we'd be running around with each other all the time. And then I would say, how come you didn't talk to me at the beginning of the school year? Every time I asked this question, I got the same answer. Everybody thought you were stuck up. I was over there having a shame attack and they thought I was arrogant. Guess what? They're kind of the same thing. I'm the worst thing in the world is not really any better than I'm the best thing in the world. Both of them have cut other people out of the equation. And I wasn't really, and I had reasons, I had historical reasons for not trusting people to be nice to me. I lived in a family where people weren't nice to me. So I didn't make the assumption that people might be nice. It took me a while to get past that. We all carry that baggage with us that we've got to get across, but we also can bring it into conscious awareness. Is this really what's going on, or is this a story I've made up <clears throat> about what's going on? That's really the antidote. And then when you ask the question to listen to the answer, and listen with more than your ears, because here's the deal. Some people aren't good with words. And you have to pay attention. You have to give some time and attention. And maybe he's showing you he loves you in seven ways, but not this one way that you're obsessed on. And maybe you can go, seven ways is awesome. How about I just bask in that and feel really good about our relationship? And or, hey, I know you love me. You show me in all these ways, but you know what really makes me feel good? It's when sometimes, out of the blue, for no reason at all, I get flowers. That makes me feel really, really good inside. Try it. What's the worst that can happen? You won't get flowers. But you also won't have to make up a big drama about it. You won't have to assume so that they assume what you're assuming, what they're assuming, what they're assuming, what you're back. We go into this terrible, terrible thing. So we get to have an awareness of the past. Here's what I tend to do. Here's what they tend to do. But then instead of putting my attention on that awareness, it's with me, put my attention on what is what is present in this moment, because that's the worst thing that making assumptions does, is it takes us out of right now. We are somewhere else completely when we're making up stories and making assumptions. When there's no information available, maybe you can assume that they're doing their best, even if their best isn't that good today. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, is doing your best. But I'm going, to re I'm going to leave you with this reading. Becoming aware of these habits and understanding the importance of this agreement is the first step. Becoming aware of not making assumptions is the first step, but understanding its importance is not enough. Information or an idea is merely the seed in your mind. What will really make the difference is action. Taking the action over and over again strengthens your will, nurtures the seed, and establishes a solid foundation for the new habit to grow. Then after many repetitions, these new agreements will become second nature, and you will see how the magic of your word transforms you from a black magician to a white magician. 
a white magician, and this is his native, um, Native American term for this, <clears throat> uses the word for creation, giving, sharing, and love. In other words, are you spreading poison or are you spreading love? Are you spreading a balm, a healing balm? Make one agreement, this habit, make this one agreement your habit and your whole life will be transformed. I didn't say that, he said it, but man, is it true. And here's the practice that I use. When I start making myself feel bad over what someone else did, I ask myself, what story am I making up? What story did I just make up? And what does it have to do with the facts? That will send you down a whole different road, I promise. Thank you. <clears throat> so we're just going to have a short meditation because I talked for a long time. Imagine that. <clears throat> So just get yourself comfortable where you are. Be present right in this moment. And allow this information to inform you. There is one love and one life. That is God's life, whatever you call it. God, spirit, holiness, divine mystery, nature, the universe. It's one life and one love that we're all living. And so as you breathe in, simply tell yourself the story that you are breathing in love. You're filling yourself with love. That you're so full of love that you are overflowing with it and you spill love on everything around you. And know that you are eternally connected to the source of that love. You are one with source, and source is one with you. And that source is light. That source is hope. That source is truth. source is joy. That source is inexhaustible. You can never run out as long as you stay connected. That source is eternal. It was here long before your body and it will be here for you, the essence of you, long after your body is gone. If you're not sure you believe that, try an experiment. Make an assumption 
that this might be true. And then start letting that inform your actions and your feelings and the stories you tell and the way you think and the way you relate to people. Because believing that love is the answer to every question, in my experience, only leads you to more love. practice a story, the more we believe it, and the more we believe it, the more we see it played out in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions, in our attitudes. And so today, we practice the attitude of love. We live from that place. We go out from here and the love within us recognizes the love in the world. See how that story works for you. I believe it. I believe it for you. so it is. Amen.